This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from allcomic.com, episode 37. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Sid. And this week we're going gambling mad, talking about the manga of the hottest new anime of the season, Kakegurui. A story set in a high school where all the kids gamble on high stakes and there's a lot of crazy eyes and ageho faces to go around. A lot of crazy girls in this show. A lot of them. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's going to be a fun, short little discussion. But first, we have a lot of news to go through. So we should get right to it. You know, actually, Sid... Um, before we even get onto our news, um, I think maybe we could, uh, make a mention about All Comic this week. That's right. All Comic is in need of your help. Uh, we need to maintain site costs, and that's not something that Tyler can do out of pocket. So if you could contribute to our GoFundMe, that would be a great help. We need to raise $1,000 to keep the site up and running for the next year. There's a lot of new costs that came with the move to the new server that we need to take care of. And your support and help would be greatly appreciated. So, you know, if you're a fan of Manga Mavericks or just like visiting all comic in general, we have a lot of great reviews on the site. It, basically, if you like our stuff and, and you want to support us, uh, consider consider sending sending us some change, uh, sending some uh, some support our way. You know, if you if you could do so, uh, we'll definitely leave a link to that in the show notes this week. And uh, any anything helps. So anything you happen to have on you that you want to send to us uh, would be greatly appreciated. Remember, all comic is non-profit. No one's making money off of this uh, site. And Manga Mavericks wouldn't be here without the site. So definitely please uh, support all comic and help us keep the site and the show running. Yeah, um, just in case you don't know, uh, podcasting is not exactly a, a, a lucrative career. Uh, people do it because they're crazy and or they just like doing it or both at the same time. So um you know, we, we do the show because we love doing it, so definitely support us however you can. But I guess uh, n- now we can get on to the rest of our news. That's right, and starting off, we're going to be talking about some lists that reflect the state of the manga industry in North America. First up, we're going to be talking about ICV2's new Top 10 Manga Franchises of Spring 2017 list. This is a yearly list ICV2 releases every spring about what the top-selling manga franchises are in North America, according to its data from comic book stores and online sales. And this year, the top 10 are going from bottom to top. We have at number 10, Akira Toriyama's Dragon Ball, including Dragon Ball Z. Obviously, Dragon Ball is an evergreen title. At number 9, One Piece by Ichiroda. Of course, One Piece is a strong seller. The naysayers who think One Piece is not doing well are continually proven wrong yet again. Though it disheartens me a little bit, and this, of course, is due to my own bias, that Fairy Tale is at number eight. But of course, Fairy Tale is a very popular series. Does it deserve to be more popular than One Piece? I don't know, I don't know. But something that I do think is deservedly popular is Kentaro Miura's Berserk from Dark Horse Comics. They recently said that this is, like, one of their best-selling comics just in general, if not their 
top seller. And it's good to see that here at number seven. Like, I think, um, I, I, along with this and like Lone Wolf and Cub, actually, I think are like their top selling manga over there, which is interesting. Yeah. And it provides a great frame of reference to see just how well these other titles must have done, such as One Punch Man coming in at number six here. One Punch Man, of course, we all know has been extremely successful. And so its placement is no surprise. But uh, what is a little bit of a surprise to me, especially since it was not on the list last year, is Pokemon Adventures ranking in the top five here, coming in at number five. Pokemon was not in the top ten last year, but recently it seems there has been a resurgence. I think the combination of Pokemon Go and Pokemon Summer Noon last year caused a lot of people to get back into Pokemon in a big way, and that included checking out the manga, which has always been excellent and has made some great graphic novel releases over here in the last year with the X and Y arc and Black 2 and White 2. So it's really cool to see Pokemon, the manga, selling really well. And on the subject of Pokemon, I might want recommend to you something for you Pokemon Adventures fans, a really cool new art book that has recently come out by Wiz Media just this week, the week you're listening to this, that is a illustration book, The Art of Pokemon Adventures, commemorating its 28th anniversary, going over Satoshi Yamamoto's art on the series from the beginning when he started working on it back in Gold and Silver to now. It's got some great illustrations and great quality paper, uh, awesome slip cover, got a poster included in it. It got a special Pokemon Ranger manga that has never been collected in volume format before I got it recently. I just thought it was really cool. I wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, Pokemon Adventures is awesome, and I love it a lot, which is why me and Jonathan probably will be doing more uh, Pokemon podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that story of Pokemon Adventures podcast. That was, uh, that was pretty, it took a long time for me to edit that, but I'm glad it finally came out. As, as as someone who hasn't read much Pokemon Adventures yet, I I would like to fix that hopefully soon. Um, <laughs> I got to listen at least to the first half of that Pokemon retrospective. Uh, that was that was pretty fun to listen to. You did a good job there, Sid. Thank you. Yeah, Pokemon's awesome. And some people would also say Attack on Titan coming in at number four is awesome. I like it. I wouldn't say it's awesome, but it's uh, it's good. It is good, and it's been always done really well over here. And of course, with the you know new anime season that came out this year, of course that's gotten people back into the series in a big way. And Naruto, of course, continues to sell strong at number three. It used it topped the list last year, but it's only gone down just a little bit. But obviously, Naruto continues to be a big property here, even though the series has finished its graphic novel releases, Boruto is still going strong, and uh, the back volumes of the series continue to sell. And of course, uh, well, not of course, because I'm actually surprised that this is, you know, so high, is Akira Himakama's Legend of Zelda. But of course, actually, Breath of the Wild was really big, so I think this is another contributing factor to people getting back into Zelda in a big way, kind of like the new Pokemon games um, had helped Seems to have helped the sales of Pokemon Adventures. But yeah, number two manga franchise of Spring 2017. 
Go figure. That's pretty cool for Zelda. And yeah, again, we need to get on reading that. But of course, number one here seems to be the indomitable Tokyo Ghoul, which we can never escape from. It is the biggest manga franchise in North America today. Well, good on you, Tokyo Ghoul. I'm going to be curious to see how Tokyo Ghoul RE sells uh, since the final volume of Tokyo Ghoul, the original, is coming out this month. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think Tokyo Ghoul Re, I think, actually starts uh, releasing this October. So there you go. Yeah. So that'll be cool for people who've been wanting to read Tokyo Ghoul RE. And I assume that Tokyo Ghoul will continue to, you know, be a strong seller as long as it continues to come out. Yeah, Tokyo Ghoul's going to be popular for probably like the next like five or ten years or something. We're not going to be able to get away from it. (laughs) Yeah. But moving on, let's look at another list that kind of gives us a frame of comparison for how well manga is doing in the U.S. Of course, the monthly book scan list for July. And at number one here, well, not number one, but the highest manga on this list, which is ranking at number four in the top 20, we've got the seventh volume of Koryamakaze's The Ancient Magus's Bride. This manga is getting a lot of buzz because of the anime coming out in October. I went and saw the screening for that for the Crunchyroll Movie Night. And yeah, this show is going to be big when it hits. It is a beautiful show. And I'm not surprised that that is getting people to check out the manga. I believe this is the first time we've seen Ancient Mangus' Bride pop up on the book scan list, though. So that is a little surprising to me, especially since this isn't Volume 1. This is Volume 7. So, yeah, that's surprising. I'm pretty sure Ancient Mangus' Bride has popped up when when this was still a thing. I can't believe I have to say that now. But when, when, um, when the New York Times bestselling manga list was a thing, I'm pretty sure we had seen it on that list a couple of times, so... I do remember that, but as far as we've been covering BookScan, I don't seem to recall it. But it's cool to see it doing really well and see this manga picking up steam. Because it is a good story, and I'm excited for the anime when it hits. Yeah, like, honestly, all the buzz around it kind of makes me want to read it, because I've heard nothing but good things. It actually does look legitimately interesting. Yeah, I'd love to read it, and we could talk about it on the show. That could be a cool episode. Moving on at number five is Mari Kondo's The Life-Changing Manga of Tidying Up a Magical Story. I don't know anything about this, but it seemed to have hit out of nowhere and caught on really big. So that's something I definitely need to check out at some point. But My Hero Academia continues to do strong with the first volume coming in at number six. It was ranked number seven last month, so it's gone up. My Hero Academia is continuing to pick up steam as well as with volume two ranking at number 16 and volume eight ranking at number 18. My Hero is like really catching on big now. Good. It's really glad. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of Zelda, which, you know, we know is like one of the big manga franchises, is no surprise to see that at number eight, the Legendary Edition Volume 5 is ranking. And is much not a surprise to see that Tokyo Ghoul has two representations on this list, with Volume 1 ranking at number nine and Volume 13 ranking at number 10. Berserk is also coming in at number 13, with Volume 38, the newest volume. 
Of course, uh, New Berserk Volume is going to do really well. We've got Dragon Ball Super still on this list with the first volume at number 14. And closing off the list at number 19, we have Blue Exorcist Volume 17. We see Blue Exorcist pop in this list every now and again when a new volume hits. So, yeah, that's also one of the bigger titles on the scene right now, too. So overall, some pr- a pretty cool list. Some pretty cool lists in general. Manga's in a great place right now. Now I guess we can move on to our serialization news. Our first piece of news being that uh, Zetai Karen Children has been announced that it will be returning to Weekly Shonen Sunday on August 23rd. Um, it was apparently in the middle of its, uh, of its final arc. And uh, I guess we're basically just going to be continuing with the second half of that arc. So hopefully Zetai Karen Children can... Uh, Hopefully, it can have a satisfying ending, and hopefully, hopefully, no other hiatuses keep it from uh, ending. Like Silver Spoon. Like Silver Spoon. <laughs> but a manga that is finally ending after waiting for a year uh, since it was first announced that it was going to end, it is going to finally end now. Is Princess Jellyfish is ending on August twenty fifth, and that is going to be a bittersweet parting for me because I love this series so much, but. You know, it's also going to be really satisfying. I haven't read any of the newest chapters since the manga resumed back in June, but I will catch up. And yeah, that's man, I I'm going to miss the series. I've been following it for so long. And yeah, it's really great. I love Kiko Higashimura's works and I hope more of them get picked up. Also ending this month is Molokyo Ross's Nobu and Her. That's also ending this month on the August 25th issue of Comic Xenon. It had been published in English on the Silent Manga uh, Committee website. Silent Manga Edition website, which is like has co-partnership with Comic Xeon. So it was one of those series that was like being translated on there, but they stopped translating series last December for some reason, I guess lack of readership, which was a real shame because like there were some cool series on there, like uh, Angel Heart was on there, Ikusa no Ko from uh, the artist behind Fist of the North Star was on there. My favorite of the four was Art, which was about this uh, 16th century, like, uh, woman who decides to become an apprentice to this great artist in a time when, like, that was looked down upon. That was, that was a really good comic. I wish, I hope that gets licensed. Uh, Nobu and Her was probably my least favorite of the four, but it was, it was amusing. It was an amusing well, little comedy is, um... about. Well, yeah, I was going to say, what, what what is it about, Sid? Uh, basically, it's about this guy who lives with this invisible girl, and he's she's kind of his girlfriend. So, you know, and she can't, like, talk or anything. She can only communicate through writing. And then there's, like, just these uh, shenanigans involving other people who are crushing on him. And uh, the girlfriend gets jealous. Yeah, see, I don't know if that sounds really cute or really depressing. <laughs> It's not depressing. It's like this cute little uh, slice of life thing. Well, 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 depressing in that sense where it's like, oh, hey, you got a girlfriend? Where is she? Oh, she's right here. She's invisible. <laughs> 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 like, I, I, I can't imagine, like, 
that like uh that atmosphere of awkwardness that like follows a- after you know after that point in the conversation that just that just sounds re- it sounds like it could go in like really weird places but i from what you're telling me it doesn't sound like it too much so that's good no it was just a charming little romance series it was fun uh but i enjoyed the utter manga on there a little more especially art art was great i i hope art gets officially licensed by somebody I was gonna say it's it's really it's really hard to compete with um with Hara Tetsuo um and his, and a lot of his works because uh he uh, yeah Kusunoko is also really good I don't know I just like the story of art a little better I guess just I don't know there was there was some really great emotional moments in that and like the character had a really good arc but uh, okay never mind it doesn't doesn't sound too bad I'd like to yeah. read it if I had the chance I I did check I actually did try checking the website to see if um because i guess they uh i guess they like translated 17 chapters of yeah. no her at one point and i think now like they're all i think they only have like two chapters of that up now at this point because i couldn't i couldn't find anything else they only have the first and 17th chapters of all those series oh, up okay. there now well, which is <laughs> which is like pretty random they should I think they should just put up all the chapters they translated, but whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the point of, I don't know what the point of that is either. That's interesting. I mean, I, I understand, you know, them not being able to, them not having the resources to maybe translate anymore. That's understandable. That kind of thing happens all the time. But like, I don't know why you wouldn't, you know, at least keep those up for people who want to read them. But I don't know. Yeah. But, well, there you go. That's ending. Uh, but, uh, I guess we can, uh, move on to some stuff, uh, that, that will be, uh, beginning very soon, and the first thing, the first thing we're gonna be talking about will be, finally, um, after being delayed twice, I think, no, maybe once, I think it might have just been once, um, but, n- nonetheless, it's, it's been delayed, but it seems like we're finally getting it, uh, we're running catch in the Hokkaido arc, will be starting in the October issue this September, on September 4th, in particular, um, so, yeah, originally uh, it was announced last December it was going to be starting in spring, but uh, was delayed to, I, I guess, uh, I guess September is still counts as summer, like the like the very tail end. But you know what? I'm, I'm glad we're getting it. You know, nonetheless, I was I was just wondering the other day, like, huh, I wonder if that's ever going to come out. Like, what happened to that? Mm-hmm. But I'm glad I'm glad to see that we got some kind of confirmation that it is still going to be happening because I've been really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. But anyway, Sid, um, what else is coming out? Yeah, there's going to be another Revolutionary Girl Utena chapter that's coming out in the winter. going to be published in Shikakagon's Flowers magazine. It's going to be another epilogue chapter where a certain person is going to visit the school. Whatever that means. But yeah, just uh, there was a, another chapter of Utena that got published earlier this year and now there's gonna be another one uh, so yeah it's cool Utena is like getting some more follow-ups it's pretty interesting now moving on we've also got a new Angel Beats manga that's gonna be coming out soon Angel Beats the last operation is launching on August 30th in the October issue of Dengeki G's comic by Katakawa. It's going to be drawn by Yuriko Asami. 
And the original story, of course, being from Jun Maeda, creator of the series. It's going to debut with two chapters, and Maeda is writing a new scenario for this manga that will explain why the Afterlife Battlefront members came into the world. It is a project that is in part to celebrate Dengeki G's 25th anniversary. And yeah, apparently this will serve as the true arc of Angel Beats, whatever that means. So if you're looking for more Angel Beats to read, this new manga should satisfy those cravings. Well, there you go. And uh, now moving on, uh, the official website of Futabasha's monthly action magazine has revealed that uh, Ayami Kazama is illustrating a new spinoff manga adaptation of Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Um, The series will be titled uh, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, Elma's Office Lady Diary, and uh, will debut in the October issue of the magazine on August 25th. Um, That's in... It's a couple of months off, but I guess that's how that's just how Japanese magazines yeah. work. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, as the title says, the series will be about the daily life of office lady water dragon Elma, who loves food. So that sounds like another cute little uh, uh, Kobayashi Dragon Maid spinoff manga. Probably not going to do as well as the as the Kana one. That's probably going to blow up. But I don't know. Elma is still pretty popular. And I haven't gotten to the point in the manga where she shows up, because I only read the first two volumes, and I think she appears in volume three. But uh, from what I've heard, uh, Elma is pretty popular among fans of the series, so... I was gonna say, I don't I don't know if I've, um... I don't know if I've actually seen this character in particular. Yeah, I think she shows up pretty late into the run of the anime. Okay, because I remember wrong. everyone was wondering, like, where where is this character who's in the opening that hasn't shown up yet? And in the <laughs> show itself, I think they lampshade the fact that she hasn't shown up yet at at some point in the next episode preview or something. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Okay, then. Well, but uh, it's nice to see Kobayashi's Dragon Maid getting more spinoffs. That's that's cute. Mm-hmm. And speaking of spinoffs of one of this year's most popular anime, Recreators is getting another spinoff about the character Magane Chikujoin from the anime. I pronounced that terribly. But the character of M- Magane is like she's kind of an Izayo Orihara-esque antagonist from this dark urban fantasy light novel series who has huh. the power to make her lies real by telling the lie and having someone else deny it, which is pretty cool. And so this new manga about her is going to be launched on Shigakagun's Sunday Webry site. And uh, it's already come out by the time you are listening to it. So that's going to be interesting. If you like recreators, uh, I suggest giving this a shot. I don't know how popular this character is because I haven't been in the conversation on recreators and not a lot of people are talking about it, I guess, because it is on Anime Strike, which is unfortunate. Yep, that'll do it. But We Lord loves the series and everyone who watches the series that I know loves the series. So more material surrounding it can only be good, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Now... We're going to move on to some licensing news. Um, not not as much this week, thankfully, so we're not drowning in yeah. like 12,000 licenses. Thank God there wasn't another convention last weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, but actually, speaking of conventions, um, so recently at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Ver- Vertical announced uh, announced that they will be bringing over 
a release of the full-color Cheese Sweet Adventure spinoff manga uh, beginning on May 2018, and will also be coming out with a Cheese Sweet coloring book coming out uh, this December. Um, you know, this being a spinoff manga of uh, Cheese Sweet Home, I believe, which is, uh, I remember watching a lot, uh, watching a bit of the anime like years and years ago, and I thought it was really cute. Basically just about this this little kitten who uh, loses her way from, from her mother and gets picked up by this family. And uh, it's, it's just about a cute little kitty cat. Like, who who doesn't love cats? Yeah, it's like the cat manga. I I would like to read some of it at some point because I I was like it's it's just it's so cute and like from the little I saw of the anime I really liked it so. Mm-hmm. Yep, for you Chi fans or your cat lovers out there, this seems like an obvious get to get. But moving on, we've got some stuff for you BL lovers, because this is Sublime Imprint announced recently that they are licensing Nobuo Tatsuki's Rizu no Are Sakashimatsu, and it's going to be released digitally under the title Looking for the Perfect Fit on September 26th. It's a story about a businessman who encounters a magic wand he can't forget and hoping to submit himself to its magical abilities, he recruits the help of his stone-faced secretary Tachibana to find the mystery man who possesses it. And then there's a man with a mask who has the wand and will this guy be able to find him? So, yeah, kind of a magical BL romance. That actually doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. That, that, that sounds like it could be fun. You had me at Businessman Finds a Magical Wand. Yeah, that's not a premise you see every day. No. Also something you never don't see every day, uh, for better or ill. Oh, okay, so I guess I have to cover this. Um, so, Tokyo Pop's doing stuff again. <laughs> uh, apparently, Tokyo Pop will be releasing a sequel manga for Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Tokyo Pop apparently announced via the Hollywood Reporter recently that uh, they will be releasing a Nightmare Before Christmas sequel manga titled Nightmare Before Christmas: Zero's Journey, and uh, looks like the manga sequel will be centered around Zero, Jack Skellington's ghost dog. While he is lost in Christmas Town, um, so I guess that sounds cute enough. Um, DJ Milky uh, will be providing the story. Uh, DJ Milky being a synonym of Tokyo Pop founder Stu Levy, mm-hmm. and uh, and apparently Studio Dice, who is also responsible for the uh, Beauty and the Beast manga from Tokyo Pop, is providing the art. So I I also looked up Studio Dice just to see what other work they've done, and. Um, uh, at least according to uh, Anime News Network, like they've done, um, I guess they've they've worked on some of the production for I think season zero of Yu Gi Oh, um, and I think they they had I think they did a little bit of work on um, Dark Sided Dimensions. So the studio doesn't seem like it's done much, um, uh, at least not not in the way of anime, and really not too much in the way of manga, from what I could. Fine, but apparently they've done work on the Beauty and the Beast manga. That's at least all I know. Um, this manga in particular uh, will be released in spring 2018, and uh, Tokyo Pop uh, will uh, actually first release full color single issues at comic book stores 
uh, before publishing two different graphic novel formats, uh, full color paperbacks and uh, black and white pocket sized volumes. So a Tokyo Pop is apparently going all in on Nightmare Before Christmas because I'm assuming Nightmare Before Christmas is still a big property at Hot Topic. So we got to, <laughs> you know, we, we got to we, we got to we got to get all get everybody's money. I don't know this. Sid, what do you think? Because I think this you is know, what I of, do. Yeah. I, what I think we need to burn down, down, burn down the Hot Topic, burn it down to the <laughs> ground. Yes. Yeah, su- suffice to say, I can't really take this piece of news very seriously. Yeah, I mean, I have not read any of Tokyo Pod's adaptations of Disney stuff, but I you, haven't heard uh, Sid, great you things about. Sid, you haven't you haven't read the the critically acclaimed finding Nemo, Dory, Banka, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I have not. I, no. I I mean, I think we should review it on the show. I don't know. I just I, I don't know. Some something about it. I think it's going to end up on uh, on ICV 2s like top ten most popular manga franchises next year. I I'm calling it. It's gonna well, it's gonna make gangbusters. Do have a Tokyo Pop episode planned for later in the year? So sure, why not read some of their OEL <laughs> stuff? Uh, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm not going to bother with any of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's um. That that's about it for licensing news. I think though. So. Right. So let's move on to some loose ends and interest pieces. And I know you want to talk about this, Colton. Yes, so um, some interesting um, behind-the-scenes stuff has come out about um, about the the American release of one of my favorite manga of all time, um, Ice Shield Twenty One, uh, written by uh, Richiro Inagaki, who, in case you may not know, is also the person uh, behind uh, possibly one of my favorite Jump series in the magazine currently, Doctor Stone. Um, and uh, I Shield 21, I think, was Inagaki's first work, if I remember correctly. At least his first major work. His first major one, I should say, yeah. Um, Inagaki appeared on uh, as a guest on TBS Radio's uh, late-night program, Sandwich Man's Weekly Radio Jump, uh, where Inagaki basically discussed a whole bunch of, like, behind-the-scenes kind of tidbits uh, about I Shield 21, and um you know he'd also mentioned that uh you know uh, he he mentioned how you know he he visited the united states while conducting research for the manga probably for the very last arc of the series where a bunch of the characters form like a team to go up against a lot of american teams which you know i'm, I'm just going to say i know a lot of people don't care for that arc apparently but i thought it was pretty fun like you know there there's a, that's a whole other thing that at some point, I'll probably rant about. Um, <laughs> but uh, comedian uh, Mikio Date, who is a part of Sandwich Man Duo, um, asked about the American publication status of the series, in which Inagaki replied that the series over here in America is being published within, uh, with an 18 plus label. And uh, well, we'll get we'll get to all that in just a second. But, uh, you know. Inagaki says uh, the reason why uh, the series, uh, why his manga is rated as such over here in America, uh, he said, in quote, uh, there is a high school student that randomly shoots guns, uh, referring to uh, Hiruma, possibly the best character in the entire series, who literally uh, goes around just shooting, uh, shooting guns and at, at, at his high school and is constantly like blackmailing people in order to like join the, uh, the Damon Devil Bats, the football team of the school. Um, 
I promise he's a lot funnier of a character than he actually sounds. Um, he, like, so great that, like, I think at one point he actually took first place in a character popularity poll over the actual main character. So that's a little tidbit for you guys there. And um, essentially, like, uh, they they talk for a bit about how basically Date responding to this claim that uh, about the age rating that uh, it, it's basically because America is known as a gun society, which, you know, that's great. You know, that that opens up a whole can of worms. <laughs> um, but apparently, like uh, news of the manga's American rating has been recently circulating on a bunch of Japanese websites and whatnot. And uh, the actual origin of Inagaki's con- confirmation as for the rating is um it's not really very clear uh but i mean like i don't know i i think it's pretty safe to assume that that's probably why uh vi- i mean i guess it's just to get to it um i have a couple of volumes of ice shield 21 and i i wanted to check this out and um you know the the volume says itself on its uh, on its like parental advisory rating that like um, that the manga is for people like 16 and up specifically. Um, rated T plus for older teen. Yeah. And I mean, like, like, like they, they say that, you know, Inagaki's theories about why the series uh, is rated as it is, like, is unclear. But I think, I think it's pretty obvious that, like, that's probably the biggest reason why I showed 21 has the rating it has over here. Um, I don't know. Say, so what do you think about this? Well, yeah, I mean, it does have a gun violence, so T+, that makes sense. Like, that's what the advanced imprint was for. It was for, like, titles that had some content that was a little extreme for, like, the younger crowd. So they needed to, you know, have a distinct branding uh, for that stuff. But, like, ultraviolet, series that were really ultraviolent, they published on the advanced imprint uh just because they had like content that you know you couldn't like write off as like pure fantasy or it was just getting too extreme in terms of like the kind of graphics stuff they showed like they rate bobobo as a shonen jump advanced title because like characters are literally spitting out blood all the time and they're getting shot and they shoot each other all the time and all that stuff stuff like death note was also um, in the in the advanced um, yeah. lineup too, as I'm looking at here, and yeah, like especially yeah. the really grounded series, the series that were like set in worlds that were closer to real life, but had like gun violence and stuff. Those would be under advanced because those contained quote unquote imitatable acts. Yeah, I mean, like honestly, I guess I I can't really blame Viz for rating Ice Shield 21 they wait the way they did because I could see. I don't know, like, I, I, I could see maybe, um, you know, n- that not being an okay thing to show to kids, like, because, like, it's, especially since, it, it's actually kind of interesting to me now that I think about it, because if I am if I remember correctly, like, um, gun laws in Japan are actually pretty strict, mm-hmm. so that's really interesting to me that um, Hiram's just allowed to get away with a lot of the stuff he's, I mean, he doesn't, like, shoot anyone, but, like, He's, he's, like I said, he just kind of goes around just shooting off, like, machine guns in school and stuff. And it's like, and I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, those are, like, real guns, too. Um, Or at least I I don't remember any kind of, like, indication that, like, they were fake. 
Yeah, I mean, those kind of moments are just cartoonish ultraviolence, so you're not supposed to take them seriously. But because it's a high schooler shooting guns in school, that is a little, a little risky content. I mean, that's a, I'm like, the idea of kids trying to assassinate their teacher is why Wiz was so hesitant to publish Assassination Classroom. And when they did do that, uh, guess what imprint they're publishing it under? The Shonen Jump Advanced imprint. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, like, I don't really know how to continue this conversation without just, like, going into a lot of stuff that I don't think would be uh, really that appropriate for the show, honestly, so, um, so suffice to say, I, I just thought this was a really interesting, like, conversation that Inagaki had on this radio show, um, mm-hmm. and again, nothing, like, really groundbreaking, really just a lot of stuff that, like, you know, as I was reading, I was thinking, like, Okay, yeah, duh, I never really thought about that before, <laughs> you know. It is really interesting, though. Moving on to more Jump-related news, Bleach is getting a new game for Line and uh, the social media and messaging app. Going to be called Bleach Paradise Lost. Going to be launching for iOS and Android devices later this year. It is going to be called the Bankai 3D Tag Role-Playing Game. Uh, free to play with in-app purchases. Uh, you can be a Shinigami and you protect the real world from hollows. And the game uses GPS location data to allow players to defend their own neighborhoods from hollows. So you can uh, live your fantasy of being a substitute soul leader like Ichigo. Yeah. So we don't usually talk a lot about this next, these next couple pieces of news because we don't, we don't tend to focus too much on this kind of things. We're a manga podcast, so anime is not allowed, obviously. Um, but, uh, but no, uh, just, just to be serious here for a second. Um, a very, uh, very hot title from Viz at the moment. Uh, Golden Kamui is getting a TV anime. I'm sure Casey came in his pants when he heard this news. <laughs> I mean, you're probably not wrong, but I wasn't expecting you to be so blunt. Um, no, but yeah. Um, so basically, we got an announcement of a television anime for Golden Kamui uh, recently uh, from uh, Shueisha's Young Jump, in which is uh, where I believe the the manga runs. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's uh, basically we got an announcement, and I think that's about all we have to work off of at the moment. Um, Man, I, I like I'm so conflicted because I, I want to read Golden Kamui, but I also want to wait until I know Casey f- fixes his laptop so we can like talk about it on the show. Because I honestly, I honestly mm-hmm. wouldn't feel right talking about it with anybody else but Casey. But that's just me. Yeah, same with this and the Baki the Grappler episode we want to do. Uh, hopefully, well, that won't come out on Netflix until next year, so we have more time to wait for that. But yeah, uh, I really want to do those episodes with Casey. Also, that's another thing. Apparently, that new Baki the Grappler anime is going to be a Netflix thing. Yeah, Netflix actually made a lot of anime announcements recently. Because uh, not only are they are they going to be premiering Baki, but they are producing a new CG Knights of the Zodiac Saint Seiya show. Which is going to be like a remake of the series, and yeah, that's that's exciting for me as a Saint Seiya fan. So yeah, like they are really upping their game in terms of producing original anime series. Yeah, the the only thing I'm I'm a bit wary about is like who they're going to have to actually animate that 
uh, just because, um, I don't know, like, th- this could be just me and my, like, very unwarranted, like, worries, maybe, because it, it could, it could be good, but, like, with, with, with stuff like, you know, the CG Berserk and everything, like, I'm sure it won't be that bad, like, I don't want to, I don't want to insult Saint Seiya before it even comes out, um, but stuff like that kind of has me worried about, like, all CG anime, but I do... I do want to see this succeed, and I will. I will give it a try when it comes out because I I am still excited for it. I heard the CG in that film they made a few years ago was pretty okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard too. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen the film either, but um, I'm pretty sure. Um, I could be wrong about this, but I I, I know you and me saw a tweet from the character designer a little earlier in the week. Um. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that same character designer also worked on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, he did Diamond and Unbreakable character designs. So those were some good designs. So I think that the characters will look really good. Yeah, so I'm hopeful about that at least. But um, yeah, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, ne- Netflix, like like along with this and Baki and then like Devilman, Devilman. Crybaby, which is coming out next year. I'm actually really excited for a lot of this Netflix anime stuff. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, I guess just moving on with a few more anime announcements. Um, so apparently Ryu Fujisaki's Hoshin Engi manga is going to get a new television anime. It's going to be a comp- it looks like it's going to be a complete reboot. Like it's going to be a completely new anime. It's not a continuation of the old anime. They're even getting new voice actors for the cast and everything. And yeah, and so this is interesting to me because I've always seen Hoshin Engi around but I've never really read it and I've always wanted to. So hopefully, hopefully this new anime will be a good like stepping stone for me to get into that series. Finally. Yeah. I know Maxi is a big fan of Ruf Fujisaki's work and he did an episode on Hoshinengi before, I believe. Yeah. So I am looking forward to this because this is a jump series that I have never really gotten into before, but it looks very interesting. And I heard that the original anime adaptation was not very good. So, it's good that uh, this new adaptation is being made, and hopefully it'll be better. Yeah, I am. I am all for more anime reboots of properties from like anywhere between like the late '80s, early '90s. Like, I want to see more of that stuff. Just in general, I, I I love to see those kind of things because you know they're like with like with Ushio and Tora. You know, like I'm glad the anime is. Uh, I'm glad that got a new anime because I do plan on watching that at some point. Especially since I know the manga is not very available at all over here. Um, nope. So, so stuff stuff like that, I want to get reboots. So, I am all for this. I, I just like seeing reboots of these old classics in general. It gives me a chance yeah. to finally get into them a little more accessibly. Um, yeah, like uh, Magical Circle Guru Guru is a great reboot of a '90s anime that's during the season. It's like one of the best shows of the season. It's, it's like, I love that they're digging up these old classics and giving them a new lease on life and exposing them to new audiences in this, like, international age where, you know, previously, like, I never heard of that series before, but now yeah, everyone is, has heard of it because it's, like, one of the best shows of the season. So that's pretty cool. But uh, I guess really the last uh, last anime announcement we've gotten is uh, Weekly Shonen Sunday has announced recently from their um 37th and 38th combined issue that takashi kashi will be getting a second season in 2018 um which uh as far as i can tell is uh definitely one of shonen sunday's more popular titles um i remember that really kind of blowing up a bit when it was when it came out um 
I forget what season it came out. I think it came out last year, didn't it? Yeah, last winter season. But uh, yeah, so, you know, for fans of Takashi Kashi, that's getting a second season, and that's a good thing. I should really get around to that, too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I enjoyed uh, the first core, and I it's a good comedy and with some good characters. This is fun to watch. This new season is going to be made at Tesca Productions instead of the... I forget what the previous studio was. Oh, I don't remember either. Feel was the previous studio. Okay, so now they are just credited with setting cooperation. So it's interesting, it's changing hands in terms of uh, the main studio. Kind of like with um, Blood Blockade Battlefront, I know I think that's changing studios too. Is it? Um, huh, okay. I'm pretty sure it is. I didn't hear anything about that, but maybe. Well, we'll check that off, Mike. But um, anyway, Sid, uh, we have one more piece of news. Yeah, related to Shonen Sunday, Keijo is getting a new lease on life because women in Portugal are forming real-life Keijo teams. They're actually making their own Keijo league, and uh, it's going to—it's called Keijo Portugal. It's a new sports league that's accepting applicants from sixteen uh, ages, sixteen years old or older, uh, going toe to toe, or in this case, butt to butt, in a battle for supremacy. <laughs> They have adjusted kind of like the kinks of the sport to make it actually uh, playable. Uh, you know, just, I guess, more uh, conservative costuming and uh, some stricter rules and stuff. But yeah, you know, looking at the pictures, they basically uh, recreated kind of the setup. They have like this inflatable trampoline floating in an indoor pool. And uh, some girls look like they're having fun playing the sport. So that's pretty cool, like, uh, people taking this, like, fictional sport and, like, making it this their own thing, making it, like, their own sports league out of it. Maybe this will catch on internationally. Uh, that's a cool thing. Yeah, this this was this was a really sort of bizarre, interesting thing to come out. Um, I, I really never would have expected this thing to actually become a real sport. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that, like, these fans are, are just thought it was a fun idea, and they are manifesting it and making their own sports league. I, I do think that's really cool. I think that just, you know, speaks to kind of how anime can inspire people to go out and, like, uh, do cool things. But, Sid, speaking of games you play... Yeah, let's move on to our main topic for this episode, discussing the gambling manga Kakegurui. Let's go gambling ad! Place your bets and put it all on the line. We're going in big. We're talking about Kakegurui. The anime is really big this season, so we're looking at the original manga that it is based off of by Homura Kawamoto for the story and Toru Naomura for the art. This series is about a school where all the kids are super rich so they don't have to worry about academics or athletics. What instead they have to learn is how to use people. And how do they learn how to do that? How, how do they learn how to read people? They learn it through gambling, through high risk, high reward stakes. And with big consequences for losing and big gains for winning and a hierarchy in the school to move up on. So the premise is about this 
transfer student, Yumiko Jabami, she comes into the school, and she's insanely good at gambling, and she, like, is very duplicitous about playing the long game, luring her opponents to a false sense of security, and then hitting them hard by revealing their schemes and causing them to lose big. And she gets off on the <laughs> trill of gambling. She literally gets off. She literally orgasms. She's like, she makes crazy orgasmic faces. It seems to turn her on the higher the danger, the higher the risk. And she does not care about actually losing. All she wants is the trill of the gamble. The trill of not knowing whether she's going to win or lose. She just loves walking on the edge and on the dangerous line. She's like a... Hentai protagonist? I don't know. <gasps> she's like, <laughs> I have no clue. But she, she, <laughs> but like the Ageho faces in this manga, they are very hentai-esque, I guess. Mm, yeah. I don't know how I feel about the art for a lot of the series. It's, uh, it's very clean. Like, I'll give it that. It always looks good. I love crazy faces. So whenever we see like really grotesque faces or like really like, twisted faces of eroticism or despair like they're all fun to me what i don't like is like the the designs of the school uniform especially the girl skirts they are insanely short like they they are (sighs) barely past where the panties are like it, it is insane how short these skirts are I, I do not understand the regulations at this school. And, like, Yumiko, especially, like, her stockings, like, they seem to go all the way up her legs, too, which is also really bizarre to me. So, like, uh, the, the, some of the, some of the designs I'm, I'm a little questionable about. And also, like, the texturing with the pants and the skirts, like, it seems that the artist is using this, like, weird texture that he's just overlaying on top of the image. But it Hmm. looks really flat. It makes, like, the pants look really flat in contrast to, like, the fully colored in and shaded, like, shirts and stuff. So it's like a kind of a contrast that kind of takes me out of the art and it's a little distracting to me. I I don't know. The the use of screen tone in this manga for, like, just cutting and pasting it onto these... uh, Onto the pants and skirts in particular is really distracting to me. I like the character designs just in general for, like, the female characters, except for, like, how short the skirts are and then also, like, the use of uh, textures, I think, is questionable at times. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Something I don't like about... I guess it's really more about the panel layouts. The longer I read, I read about the first three volumes of the series, basically whatever Yun Press has put out at this point. Excluding the simulpubs. Excluding the simulpubs, yes. Yeah, something I kind of noticed with some of the panel layouts in certain sections of the series is that, I don't know if I can explain this very well, there are some pages where it's mostly, like, an entire page, like, spread of like, shot of a character or whatever, and then there will be, like, this tiny sliver of a of a corner of the page, like, dedicated to some other kind of sequence. There are multiple pages like that where it's like, why don't you just dedicate just this page to, like, what is this one thing that's happening or just this one shot of this character? Like, why are you bothering with this, like, sliver of a corner here to try to convey something else when it's, like, really, really there's, like, not enough space to try to convey, like, whatever the artist wants to convey. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, Sid, but there were just some pages like that where it's like, 
you know, there'd be, like, this big panel or something, and then, like, other panels off to the side where it's, like, they clearly don't have enough room to try to, like, draw whatever they wanted to draw. And uh, that was something that was kind of really bothering me about the panel layout in particular. I noticed that there were some panels that felt crammed in. There would be big panels, and then there'd be something crammed in at the bottom. I did notice that. It didn't bother me as much as... <laughs> like, I'm flipping through it again, and it's still, the, the freaking screen tones and the skirts are just <laughs> bothering me. It's not, like, terrible. I'm just saying, it's just... I don't know. I just feel like there are certain pages that I think could be laid out better. Yeah, I would agree with that. As for, like, everything else, uh, so I guess basically I probably have more thoughts on some of the series, uh, some of which I'm still kind of collecting, because I really don't know, I don't know how I feel about the series overall, because it is, it is fun in places, and I do like the premise a lot. I think it makes for an interesting series. Like, I like the idea of just this this academy, this high school, where, like, the hierarchy of all of the students basically depends on your ability to gamble and whatnot. Basically, at, at the start of the series, Yumiko Jibami squares off against this girl named uh, Saotome, who has basically our main male lead, like, under her thumb, because the whole thing is, like, if you get into enough debt at this school, and if you owe enough money to, like, the school and the student council, you're basically treated as a literal house pet. Like, you're treated as less than a human being. You have to heed to the orders of, like, anyone in the school to do basically anything they want, like going out to get, like, you know, snacks or whatever for lunch, or even, like, really heinous stuff, like like molestation on the girls and stuff, and it's like, that kind of, that stuff is kind of creepy and unsettling, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, so yeah, our main male lead starts off as a house pet, and basically Yumeko ends up basically helping him out by basically defeating I guess his captor, Saotome, in a in a gamble of literally, like, voting rock, paper, scissors, which I thought was a really fun-looking game, you know, this, mm -hmm. like, basically how the game works is that, like, you have everybody in class contribute, like, a picture of a rock, paper, or scissors, and you have everybody put their votes in a ballot, and from there, you basically pick three cards, and whatever three cards you have, like, that's what you have to use for that game of rock, paper, scissors, which I think makes the odds of like you having the like the right cards to be able to use I thought was really interesting. Um mm -hmm. at for at first when I flipped through the first volume and I first saw that all I could think about was Kaiji. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people make comparisons between this and Kaiji. Often in a like that you know Kaji is a lot better at these kind of uh scenarios, but for what the series does, I think that a lot of the gambles are very interesting and creative. I think they're fun. Yeah, like, games are are fun and interesting. That's, like, a game you could, like, actually play, mm -hmm. um, which I think is cool. And then, um, oh, I forget what I forget what it's called, but, like, uh, Yumiko, at the end of the first volume, plays a game of, like, Sword Blackjack or something, where, like, I don't even... This was a thing, too. I Like, I wasn't really exactly sure how this game worked, because it, it looks like, from what I remember... It's basically blackjack, but you put a bunch of, like, plastic swords in a cup, and then you put the cup on top of the blackjack board and mm -hmm. hope that one of these plastic swords, like, inserts themselves into the slots or whatever. Yeah, and they have mag yeah. and the swords have magnets on them, and the okay, another yeah. trick to it is that if the sword ends up on the uh, 
number like with the sword side down that's actually a penalty so you need to have it land on the square with the sword like facing up yeah so that and there's a i know sid you you didn't get this far but uh, volume three i thought had the most psychotic game because i don't think she appears in the first volume you really missed out on probably like the best character in the entire series Gosh darn it. Uh, Midari Ishika- Ishikawa? Ishikami? I forget exactly. But uh, she's basically this girl with an eye patch who, like, goes around and is, like, kind of, like, unlike Yumiko, where she kind of gets off on gambling. Uh, Midari herself is kind of a sadist, and she gets off on pain. There's a moment in Volume 2 where, like, the school bully Kitawari, who is kind of like the main bully character, I guess. Um, he gets his comeuppance later, thankfully, because he's an asshole and I don't like him. He he basically tries to sexually molest Yumiko until uh, Midari comes in. I don't even know how to explain this character. This character is like, she's probably the most deranged character in the entire series so far. Because she basically gets off on, like, putting her life on the line. Like, she constantly just carries a gun around school and, like, you know, some of the characters basically, like, they constantly go back and forth about, like, whether the gun is real or not. And surprise, surprise, it's a real gun, because, you know, <laughs> you can just do that kind of thing in the school, because, like, it, really anything in the school goes. Like, this is the kind of school where, like, if you are in big enough debt to the student council, they will literally plan out your entire life for mm. you. And basically, uh, like, especially if you're a if you're a girl, they'll just sell you off to, like, a politician to basically have kids and just do nothing but be a housewife. Like, it's some really, um, for lack of a better word, it's pretty fucked up. And that's kind of, um, Sao Tome in particular, that's kind of her whole thing is that, like, she's, she's basically about to be sold off to basically just produce kids. And she ends up kind of getting out of it thanks to this, like, Indian poker game that she ends up playing along with Yumiko and Kitawari. I thought that game was pretty interesting, especially since it leads to, I think, some of probably my favorite moments in the series. Because Kitawari has this girl under his thumb named uh, Subomi, who is this, like, shy, tiny little, like, timid girl who basically just does whatever Kitawari wants her to do. Her whole thing was that, like, when she was younger, she had, like, this really, she had really long hair that, like, went past down her waist, and she was very proud of it. And then when she came to Hyakkao Academy, I'm probably going to be pronouncing that really wrong because it's just such a weird name for a school she ends up coming to the academy and when she becomes a house pet and you know gains enough debt uh kitawari basically like he basically cuts off all of her hair just out of curiosity like he's he's interested in hearing like what it sounds like to cut off a bunch of hair uh, like because because that whole thing because Subami, uh, subomi goes on about this whole thing about how like you know he that's like the whole reason he wanted to cut off my hair just because out of curiosity like he doesn't even see me as a human being he sees me like as less than a pig and like basically subomi is helping kitawari like cheat at this indian poker game when uh when yumiko at some point you know basically gives her this whole speech about uh, how she should try and make an attempt to get out of the situation she's in even if things look dire and it does lead to a, a good moment where, like, Subomi ends up fucking over Kitawari by, I think, giving him the wrong signal or something, a cheating. And I, I thought that moment in particular was pretty good. Though, honestly, outside of that, like, I don't know, I think, I guess overall, how I feel about the series is, like, Kakigurui is fun, but, like, the whole time I was reading, I was thinking, like, because it's also very text-heavy in places, what with, like, trying to explain the games and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
I honestly think this is the kind of thing I would enjoy watching more than reading, but that's just me personally. Yeah, I saw the first episode of the anime. I really enjoyed the anime, like the voice acting, like the color design, just how things look. I know some people don't like the aesthetic of it, but I got into it. I really enjoyed it. So I think that this series is more fun in the anime, just from what I've seen of it, just comparing the first chapter and the first episode. Though I will say the first chapter of the manga did a better job explaining the Rock, Paper, Scissors game than the anime did. Really? Yeah. I think that also just had to do with, like, it trying to gets through the entire first chapter in 22 minutes, and I guess they just, like, rust through the explanation of how the game actually worked. I was gonna say, I remember the first chapter being pretty long. Yeah, I mean, as first chapters usually are for most series. Oh, yeah, it looks like the first chapter was, like, yeah, around 80-something pages, so... Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot to get through, but... Yeah, so yeah, that, that that was something I couldn't help but think like while I was reading is yet yeah, like this would be more fun to watch than to read, honestly. Which is unfortunate because apparently Kakigurui will not be released on Netflix uh, over here in the States until 2018. That is a shame, but I can wait for a show that is as fun as this. I think that it actually would benefit to marathon the entire show. I think it would too, honestly. I know a lot of people have been kind of ragging on Netflix lately about... I know in Japan on Netflix, they do air their stuff on, like, a weekly schedule. So I know a lot of people over here, like, have been kind of ragging on Netflix for waiting until their stuff is over to bring it out over here. And that's a whole other thing. And yeah, but personally, I don't mind waiting for Kakigurui to be released all at once. Because, like you said, I think I agree that this series, I think, would benefit from binging, actually. Because, honestly, I don't know if I could really watch this week to week anyway. So, personally, I'm fine with waiting. Yeah. And as for the manga, I thought the first volume was a lot of fun. But I do sort of agree with some of the criticisms in the sense that, like, there are some high stakes and there's some messed up stuff that happens. But in compared to, like, my only frame of comparison is, like, early Yu-Gi-Oh! In terms of, like, some of the stuff. And, like, early Yu-Gi-Oh! People do, like, actually die as a consequence for, like, yeah. losing games. Or, like, get really physically maimed and stuff like that or burned alive so kakigurui from what i've heard just doesn't go that far and like in the first volume there aren't really any consequences that are like super dire like i do want to interrupt you for just a second because i was feeling that same way too while i was reading and thankfully i think volume three kind of fixes that a bit because with the introduction of midari like her whole thing is that like she's constantly playing like different versions of like russian roulette and she's constantly trying to get people to play Russian roulette with her. And, like, she, like I was saying earlier, kind of like with Yumiko, like, she gets off on, like, putting her life on the line and constantly almost killing herself. Like, there's a, I remember seeing this part animated, actually. I saw a clip of this on Twitter where she's in the bathroom playing Russian roulette with herself. And, like, she starts, like, masturbating and stuff after, like, failing to kill herself. It's some really weird stuff. And she eventually, um, she eventually just goes up to Yumiko and basically forces her to play a game called ESP Memory or something where, where she basically has a dealer in another room, place a collection of cards in order, and then basically two players who are in another room will have to guess, like, what order the dealer has his or her cards in which I thought was interesting. And basically, like, depending on how many uh, cards you get wrong in order, like, you basically get shot. 
And like what what made this game really in particular really interesting was that Yumiko basically has to come up with ways to like try to get out of being shot or having to shoot Midari. So mm-hmm. no spoiler alert. She basically ends up going through the getting through the game without without any real like damage, which I don't know. Like on on one hand, I would have liked to see some damage be inflicted, but I I thought this game worked really well in that like there were those high stakes of like somebody actually getting physically hurt. So it was really interesting to see Yumiko come up with basically come up with a lot of bullshit to try to get out of basically get out of getting hurt. And hmm. um, I thought that was probably the most entertaining game out of the three volumes I read so far. It's it's all contained in volume three, I think. It's at least worth it to get up to that point if you are like Sid and you're wondering like, oh, well, you know, these games are fun, but like the stakes aren't really there. Like volume three is basically your answer to that. Where the series goes from there, I don't know. But I thought volume three was probably my favorite part of the series so far. Okay. I wish I hadn't spent so much money so I could have bought those volumes. (laughs) But even with that volume, and I was kind of talking to Sid about this off mic a little bit, but... I don't know, like, I like Kakegurui, I don't, I do not think it's, like, terrible or bad or anything. I enjoyed what I read, but, like, I didn't really like it enough to want to go out and, like, like we mentioned earlier, Kodansha, through Comixology, is simul-publishing the series at a monthly pace. From what I'm seeing, it looks like a new chapter of Kakegurui comes out around the last full week of any given month. I don't think there's any particular day it comes out. It, it, that was pretty inconsistent on that front. But it does come out once a month on Comixology, uh, as far as I know. But yeah, I didn't like it enough to want to catch up with the Cyber Pub or anything. Like, I'm perfectly okay with, like, just kind of letting this manga go for a little bit and maybe waiting until there's a significant portion of it, or, or just wait until it ends. Like, I thought it was fun, but it wasn't really, like, super gripping, which I don't think is a bad thing, but, like... That's just me personally. That's fair. I mean, if I, I also wasn't like completely enthralled by the first volume, like I was really excited when I watched the first episode of the anime because I had a lot of fun watching it. And the manga is enjoyable too, but it didn't like push me to really want to spend like the extra $14 to get the other two volumes. I was like pretty dissatisfied reading that first volume and like forming my thoughts on that. Whereas if I had really gotten into it, like as I have been done before i would have bought more volumes to read more of the series like with tokyo ghoul even i enjoyed the first volume so i went ahead and read more of those more of the series for that episode than when we did that back in the day yeah that's kind of the difference between this and uh tokyo ghoul is that tokyo ghoul i was only really willing to read like one volume and then i was totally okay with not reading anymore whereas Kakigurui, I was okay with spending the money on three volumes just because, like, that's all that's out. So I just figured I might as well just read all of it for the sake of the discussion here. But I'm glad I did because I I wasn't completely hooked by the first volume either. I think it's when Midari comes into the picture. Like, she's kind of the wild card that adds for the extra bit of, like, you know, stakes. She really is the wild card. Like, she is willing, she is willing to kill a bitch. Like, she, <laughs> like, she does not care about anyone else but herself. She doesn't care as long as she, she gets to experience the thrill. And there is some interesting, like, dichotomy between her and Yumiko, you know, in that they're similar in that they both get off on the thrill of something, but, like, 
Yumiko basically tells Midari at one point, like, hey, you really pissed me off. Like, I, you're not even a blip on my radar. You just get off on pain. I get off on, like, actually gambling and whatnot, which I don't know if that's really, like, you know, the mountain you want to die on or whatever, but, you know, it's... I don't know. I thought their dichotomy was interesting. And there's also a whole thing where, like, uh, Saotome is, um, is like scouted to be a part of the student council. And it looks like they're kind of setting up a character arc for her to basically get revenge on the student council for her having to become a house pet and then, you know, having to have to basically buy out her freedom through all of these games and whatnot. And even like the student council president is, uh, she's being set up to be even more like, inhuman than like basically anyone else in the series so i, I kind of want to see where her character goes but like again like there's a lot of interesting threads in kakigurui but i don't know like as much as i like the characters i feel like a lot of the characters aren't interesting enough for me to want to read the series right away that's fair and i think that i probably will just go on and catch the anime when it comes on on netflix rather than probably actively seek out the other volumes of the series same but overall i would give it a recommendation because i do think it's fun yeah if you like i could be totally off base here because i I actually haven't read much of the series but i've seen people kind of compare it to stuff like prison school i think this is kind of like a mix of prison school and kaji i guess yeah, so if you if you like really like over the top crazy things like prison school, then you'll probably get a and also you like kaiji, you know. If you just happen to like both, you'll probably like this. Um though I will say I think um I think kaiji does a better job with its stakes. I think does a better job of keeping you invested in what's going on whereas again, like we were saying, uh Kakigurui doesn't really Kakigurui doesn't really have those high of stakes until volume three where someone is where you're basically risking somebody actually getting hurt because of all these games and whatnot um mm-hmm. so yeah i'd give it a light recommendation if you just want something fun and crazy i think it's worth at least checking out mm-hmm. that's basically how i feel and you know like i said if you you know if you want to keep up with the series monthly Comixology is offering simul-published chapters as they come out monthly over in Japan for, like, anywhere between, like, $1.99, $2.99, something like that. So if you want to keep up with those, you have that option. If you can't wait for the anime to come out next year, the manga is available, at least. So there's always that. Yeah, if you're more of a print person, they had did start releasing it in print, too, just recently. The first volume came out last month, so you can pick up the physical copies as well. But I think that's about it for that, unless you have anything else you wanted to talk about. No, I think uh, we're done talking about Kakegurui. It was a pretty interesting read, and I'm looking forward to catching more of the anime when it hits Netflix. And uh, this was a good choice for an impromptu discussion piece after uh, two reschedules of other ideas we had. Yeah, I do just want to put out there, I know Sid said in the description for the last episode that we were wanting to talk about Skep Dance. We still plan on doing that. That's kind of had to go through a lot of reschedules because one of us has just, either I haven't had the time to reread it or Sid just hasn't had the time to read it in general. So we do want to get to that hopefully soon. So that's still that's still on the back burner. Yeah, that will hopefully happen 
soon, next month, is when we're planning. And now that I'm done with summer classes for the uh, summer, I should have more time to dig into it. That's good, because I, I don't want to do a Skat Dance episode without Sid, just because like, I really am curious what he's going to think about the series after he's done. And I want to talk about Skat Dance bad. You have no idea. I really <laughs> want to. I'm, I, I, just, I, I love Skat Dance a lot, so I can't wait to talk about it, and hopefully more of Shinohara's works like Astro Lost in Space and mm-hmm. whatnot, so... Hopefully we'll get around to his works, hopefully in the next month or so. But for now, I guess that's going to be the end of the show. I guess, Sid, where, where can they find you? You can find me as at Glumromiyasha on Twitter, Animation Revelation, my anime list. Basically, wherever I am, you'll find me under that name. And if you want to follow me in particular, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SniperKing323. That's S-N-I-P-E-R-K-I-N-G-323. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of other podcasts such as Life Lessons, the Gintama manga cast. If you're a fan of Gintama at all, go to GintalifeLessons.wordpress.com. Or if you're a fan of Detective Conan or Case Closed, whatever you want to call it, I re- also record a show called One Podcast Prevails. You can find that at OnePodcastPrevails.wordpress.com. And uh, just to get this out of the way, uh, I finally posted a new blog post, my first blog post over at Colton Corner wordpress.com this month is the 50th anniversary of lupon which don't worry we're probably hopefully gonna have an episode about that coming soon maybe possibly i don't know we want to do it but for now you know if you if you want a taste of you know just my feelings on green jacket lupon in particular the series from uh, 1971 you can watch it all on crunchyroll i basically go over my top five favorite episodes of that series in particular so you know, if you're interested in reading that, um, that's over at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. So, yeah, any feedback on that post is welcome. It's kind of my first time really actually trying to write something. So, you know, any comments are appreciated. But I guess as far as uh, all comic goes, uh, you can follow us on facebook.com slash alt.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Don't know why I didn't start with this first, but uh, as for the podcast in particular, if you want to, you know, you want to listen to every episode of Manga Mavericks, you can find every episode of our podcast at all-comic.com, or you can follow us on facebook.com slash alt.comic, or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Again, guys, just another reminder, we do have a GoFundMe for the website in in general just to keep up with server costs. So, again, uh, there will be a link to that in the show notes if you want to donate any amount of money to that. Please support us however you can. Again, anything helps, no matter how much much you have or how little you have, anything is appreciated. So, thank you for that in advance. Basically, if you want to follow Manga Mavericks specifically you can follow us on twitter.com slash manga underscore mavericks and uh, you can also follow us on manga mavericks.tumblr.com you want the quickest updates on this podcast uh those are the two places you want to follow uh especially and if you want to email us anything you know like what did you think about all the news we talked about today what are your thoughts on kakegurui what are some manga that you're reading we we're always interested in what you guys think about what we talk about or whatever you're reading in general and we'll read it on the show so send us an email over at manga mavericks at gmail.com but the most important thing guys is that you subscribe rate and review us on apple Podcasts, the artist formerly known as itunes and also i guess one last thing please subscribe to us on our youtube channel i don't think we're up to 100 subscribers just yet but we're no we just need 20 more so please uh it's the last stretch any subscriptions would be great help and we're uh putting out a lot of our 
podcasts on there, and we have some original stuff in the pipes, so definitely keep an eye out on our channel. Yes, uh, spread, spread the word. Tell, tell your friends about the, that cool manga podcast that you listen to. Maybe we'll get more subscribers. Once we get to 100 subscribers, we'll have our own custom URL, so any help with that would yeah. be appreciated. But yeah, I think that's going to be about it for the show. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 37 of Manga Mavericks on AllComic.com. We will see you guys next time for episode 38. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.